Our subject, a real partnership. John 5. John 5. This is Jesus Christ speaking. John 5. We'll read verse 19. Is there a camera on me? No? All right. Just want to take a couple steps to the left to the right. Once in a while. What book did I say? What chapter? What verse? If you have the King James Version, read it for me. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, what? Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. What did Jesus just say about himself? All right, he does nothing of himself. What does that mean? Now, who was Jesus? Son of God. What else was he? He was God. Now, go to Luke uh, 1, read verse 37. Listen to this, uh, an angel who is speaking for God. Here's what the angel says. The angel, by the way, is Gabriel, who was sent to speak to Mary. Luke 1, 37, read that and keep in mind what we read in John 5, 19. What does Luke 1, 37 say? With God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, what did Jesus say? I can of mine own, the Son can do nothing of himself. And you told me Jesus was God. Why was Jesus saying that? What does he mean the son can do nothing of himself? Example for us, yes. Anything else? In his humanity, he trusted, depended. And I need an adverb. He depended, he trusted in God. Listen to his words and think, I can do, the son can do nothing of himself. So he depended on God completely. Now, is Christ saying I'm helpless? No, because atheists can do a lot of things. But I can do or the son can do nothing of himself, meaning that Jesus Christ In his humanity, the condition in which you and I find ourselves, he is saying he was absolutely dependent upon God for everything he did. In other words, he engaged in no independent action. You're hearing my words. I have no show you're understanding what I'm saying. Because this kind of lifestyle goes contrary to the lifestyle of the flesh. The flesh says, I can do everything without God. The mind of heaven says, I do nothing without God. So when I say, Jesus never acted independently, you're probably having a difficult time digesting that statement. Stay in John 5. Read verse 30. Our subject, a real partnership. John 5, reading verse 30. By the way, this applies at any age. Not just for 40-year-olds and 50 and 30. Any age. 
John 5, verse 30, what does that say? I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Question for you, don't answer me. Are there times when we make decisions without checking with God? What are we saying in effect to God? I don't need you this time. But God cannot be needed from time to time. God has to be needed all the time. This is literal. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. God has given to mankind such glorious privileges, we don't appreciate them. 1 Corinthians 3, let's read verse 9. Our subject, a real partnership. 1 Corinthians, written by whom? The Apostle Paul, yes. That murderer who was converted. He was a very educated murderer. Chapter 3, verse 9. If you have my version, read it for me. What does it say? For ye are laborers together with God. Now, keep this in mind as we read the words of Jesus Christ himself. I can of mine own self do nothing. Does that mean that Jesus was idle and allowed the Father to do everything? No. Listen to 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For ye are laborers together. So how many people are laboring? Two. Name them, you and God. That's a partnership. What the Bible is telling us, God wants to work with us. This is literal. There are some business arrangements where one of the business partners is a silent, or is it visible, whatever the term used, a silent business partner. No one knows. But the silent business partner can often be the major partner. Puts in most of the money, but the other person is seen up front. The, the other person becomes the face of the business, but the silent partner is the power behind the business. Now, listen carefully. Your life is a business. Do you, have, do you need money to run a business? Do you need schedules for your business? Do you seek clients for your business? Yes. Do you need money to run your life? Why do you hesitate? If you don't need it, give it to me. Do you need money to run your lives? Yes or no? Yes. There's nothing wrong with money. Nothing at all. Haggai chapter 2 verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. Psalm 24 verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You need money to buy things. You sometimes sell things. You need clients, those who help you in the running of your life. Your life is a business. And God says to you, I want to be a partner in the business of your life. But I want to be the senior partner, not the silent partner. Not silent. Senior and I want to be the one seen up front. 
That kind of statement should cause a biblical concussion. God, who runs the universe, wants to run the business of your life. Are you listening to me? Now, does a business have certain components? There's the accounting, there's the stock, there's sales, there's advertising, am I right? There's human resources. Now, your life is a business. God wants to run every aspect of your life with you as his junior assistant. Are you in a romantic relationship, yes or no? Why do you say yes so softly? You don't like the guy? <laughs> Let's say you have a romantic relationship, which is perfectly fine if it's done God's way. Is that part of the business of your life, yes or no? Yes. Does God want to run that? Yes. Now, if he runs it, how will it be done? Don't hesitate. God is running it. If God runs a business, how will the business be run? Well, orderly, successfully. Organized, produce results. Now, you give to God the romantic part of your life, all other parts. Will he run that successfully? What can you look forward to? A blessed life. But here's how some people... Uh, get into business partnership with God. They say, God, my life is a business. Run it. I'll run the romantic department. I'll run that. You stay out of that. You don't have classified clearance. I'll stay out of that. I'll run that. Lord, here's the business of my life. Don't tell me how to spend my money. I'll run that. But you can take charge of all other areas. If God doesn't run every aspect of your life, he runs none of it. God's business modality is... All or nothing. You have children. You need to raise them. That's a major part of the business of your life. God says, work with me. Not I with you so much. Work with me in the business of raising your children so that they are raised to be a blessing to society. When the angel Gabriel came to John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, before he actually became the father, he said to the father, and thou shalt rejoice, thou shalt have joy and gladness, verse 14 of Luke 1, and many shall rejoice at his birth. As your child grows, society should rejoice. Are you listening to me? Do you know how many societies are cursing children who were brought into this world? Do you know how many people are wishing certain people were never born? When God is leading that aspect of your business of your life, raising your children, they will become blessings to man because they will already be a blessing to God. Do you work? That's part of the business of your life. Let God run it. And you'll never work on Sabbath. Even if you're a doctor. Go ahead, throw stones at me. Even if you're a doctor. Now, you'll go into the hospital and you'll do good. Because Jesus says it's lawful to do good. He never said it's lawful to work. And when people do good, they're not paid. All right, you turned me off. It's okay. 
Ye are laborers together with God. Let's look at a life and a, uh, a living example of that. Genesis 39. Our subject, a real partnership. Genesis 39. We'll look at a living example of God in partnership with a man. And the results of that partnership. Our subject, a real partnership. It's about 20 minutes after 10. What book did I say? What chapter? What verse? I didn't say. Okay. Reading from verse 1, if you have my version, what does the Bible say? And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him off the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Now, that verse geographically locates Joseph tells us about his social status. He was a slave in a foreign country. He was bought. So he belonged as a commodity to somebody else. That's his condition. Verse 2. Read with me. But the Lord was with Joseph. Stop. Let that be the anthem of our lives. The Lord was with Joseph. Where was he at the time? In the house of whom? Potiphar. Tell me about Potiphar. He was an Egyptian. Who was Joseph? A Hebrew. So we have a believer in the God of heaven and earth, and we have an atheist, we have a pagan, we have a heathen. Well, maybe not an atheist, because they believe in their own gods. Egyptians worship the hawk, the cat, the dog, the sun. If it moved, they worshiped it. And that's an exaggeration, of course. Here is Joseph in this environment. The Bible says, the Lord was with Joseph. That's a partnership. By the way, your circumstance should not prevent you from having a relationship with God. Amen. Some people say, well, I'm unemployed. Wait till I get a job. out. Mm -mm. I'm surrounded by people not of my ethnic group, so I'm miserable. Mm-mm. Regardless of your circumstances, we should be able to say, the Lord is with me. Because he's with me here. Read verse 2 again. But the Lord was with Joseph, keep reading, and he was a prosperous man. Keep reading. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. We already found that out in verse 1. It is restated. Verse 1 tells us he was an Egyptian. Verse 2 tells us he was an Egyptian. Almost emphasizing what may have been regarded as the negative elements of Joseph's situation. But the Lord was with Joseph. That's a partnership. And he was a prosperous man. Regardless of his circumstances. Meaning, if you're not being promoted on the job, it's not because you're Hispanic and your boss is white. Or you're black and your boss is Inuit. No. If you are right with God, no one can keep you from getting what God wants you to have. Amen. You didn't hear me. If God wants you promoted, no one can stop it. If God does not want you promoted, no one can give it. Verse 3. And his master, come on, and his master saw. What? That the Lord was with him. Now, what did I say about the two partners in the business? One sometimes is silent or invisible but notice verse 3 it tells us the kind of partner God was and his master 
So what? Well, put, give me one pronoun. His master saw, well, and now he saw God. The senior partner of Joseph's life business. His master saw that the Lord was with him. That's twice we read the Lord was with him. Keep reading. And that the Lord made Uh, You're reading as if you didn't have breakfast. Let's try again. (laughs) Read verse 3, King James Version. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, let's break that down microscopically. How was the master able to see that God was with Joseph? Before we get to the prosperity. The master saw two things, you see. He saw God was with him. And he saw the prosperity. Let's deal with him individually. How was Potiphar able to see that God was with Joseph? No, 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 don't get there yet. His actions. His conduct. His character. The way he conducted himself with Potiphar, with Potiphar's wives, with the other uh, wife, with the other members of the workforce. He looked at the way Joseph conducted himself, not in church. There was no church for Joseph to attend, but he worshiped God. You see, there are 168 hours in a week. We spend three in church. That's no time to judge someone's character. You judge them where they spend most of the time. You see, in three hours, you can hold it together and look like a sinless saint. But every day of the week, you're going to slip. Are you following me? And so as he worked eight hours a day, maybe 16 hours a day, the, the master saw. You can only fool people so long, then you slip. And the Lord was with him. Question for you. If, no, statement, if the unbeliever does not see God in us, there's a problem with us, not the unbeliever. Let me say differently. God's presence in our lives must be so overwhelming that even an unbeliever recognizes the presence of God, even though he may not know the name God. When a church member tells you you're a Christian, that means nothing. When an unbeliever, when a drug addict, when a wino says, there's something about that guy, now we're in business. His master saw that the Lord was with him. That's a witness. Now, the second part of the verse. And that the Lord, finish the verse, made, go on. Now, when you run a business, what do you want? Success. Give me another word. Prosperity. Give me another word. Starts with an R. Riches, yes, but that's not what I had in mind. Returns. Give me another word. R-E-S. Resources, no. R-E-S-U. Results. Everything else you said was fine. I just didn't want them. Results. Are you with me? You want results. Listen to the Bible. Listen now. I'll read it. 
And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper. Then, Chris questioned, who was responsible for the results in the life of Joseph? God. But notice, the Lord made all that he did. So who worked? Come on, say it. Who worked? Who blessed the work? Because the Lord was? God doesn't bless you when you sit in a rocking chair. You got to work. Break a sweat. Be out of breath a little bit. But for God's glory, the Lord produces results. Ah, you're not listening. You're sleeping with your eyes open. The Lord, now listen to Ellen White. Education page 138, paragraphs 1 and 2. Thus are paragraph 2. Thus, our business or calling are a part of God's great plan. Listen carefully. And so long as it is conducted in accordance with his will, he himself is responsible for the results. A partnership. One-to-one. Personal. God who runs the universe. You know, you read Psalm 104, brilliant psalm about how God takes care of nature. I believe verse 25 or 26, These all wait upon him that they may receive their meat in due season. That thou givest them, they take. You know, God cares for the birds. Little thing to fly around. God preserves the grass. In Desire of Ages, page 19, paragraph, 20, paragraph 2, Ellen White writes, There's nothing save the selfish heart of man that lives unto itself. No bird that cleaves the air, no animal that moves upon the ground, but ministers to some other life. Who assigned the ministry? God. There is no leaf of the forest or lowly blade of grass, but has its ministry. Who gave it? God. That God running the entire universe, has time to work with you. And so his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Read verse 4. And Joseph found grace in whose sight? Potiphar. Now, this is a very powerful biblical truth. Let me get a little higher to explain it. Go to Daniel 1. Read verse 9. Daniel 1, reading verse 9. Mm -hmm. Remember now, Daniel is another slave, like Joseph. He's captured, taken to foreign land, Serving a foreign leader who knows nothing about Daniel's God. But Daniel had a proper upbringing as Joseph did. The leader of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, passes a law. Verse uh, 5 of Genesis 1, uh, not Genesis, Daniel 1. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank. That's what they had to eat. Verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart they would not defile himself, Daniel and the three boys, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, having made that decision, because Daniel represents the whole group, 
Listen to verse 9. Read verse 9. Now God had brought into and with the of the stop. Listen again. God put it in the heart of the prince of the units to accept Daniel's plan. You're not getting what I'm saying. Let me put it differently. A church wants to build and the city hall is giving them problems. Are you with me? They go to prayer because they want to build for evangelism. They want to build for God's glory, not just to say we have a nice building. And they pray to their God and God touches the heart of that city hall official and he says yes. Even if he may not have been aware, he said yes. He says yes. Let me show you what the Bible means by Joseph found grace in his sight. Go to Exodus 3. Our subject, a real partnership. We need to understand the powerful ways God wants to work for us. If we will be with him. Exodus 3. Before I give you the verse. When the Israelites left Egypt, what did the Egyptians do? Did what? Gave them what? Money. Riches. Jewels. Precious stones. Why do you give money to escaping slaves? That were the backbone of the economy. Why? Read verse 21 of Exodus 3. Read nice and loud. And I will give this people favor, go on, in the sight of the Egyptians. Go on. And it shall come to pass, when ye go, ye shall not go out empty now. The Israelites did not have the power of persuasion. Because they were God's people, God touched the hearts of the Egyptians. In effect, give them money. Ah, you're not with me. Ah, you're not with me. Nobody said amen. You said it? Well, your voice was so soft and feathery. I didn't hear you. All right. There's a Bible verse, I don't recall where. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. God gave Daniel favor. Why? Because God was with Daniel. God gave Joseph favor in the sight of Potiphar. Why? Because God was with Joseph. God gave the Israelites favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Why? Because God was with the Israelites, rebellious as they were. Go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah 1. Nehemiah have heard from his relative Hanani and some Jews about the state of Jerusalem. The walls broken down. The temple destroyed. The gates burned. Nehemiah is broken hearted. He wants to go and help rebuild his beloved country. Beloved city, the beloved temple. Read verse 11 of Nehemiah 1. What does that say? If you have my version. O Lord, beseech thee. Let now what? Be attentive to thy prayer of thy servant. And to the prayers of thy servant that desire to do what? Fear thy name. Keep reading. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day. Go on. 
and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. For I was a king's cup. Nehemiah says, give me favor. When I go to him, let him give me what I want. If I'm not getting through, it's my fault. Or maybe you're thinking of what you're hearing. Give me mercy in the sight of this man. Go to chapter 2 of Nehemiah. Just read from verse 1, King James Version. What does that say? Came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes the king. Go up, read. That wine was before him, and I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Keep reading. Now I had not been before time, what? Sad in his presence. Keep reading. Therefore the king said unto me, why is thy countenance? Seeing thou art not sick. This is nothing else but sorrow. Now the king recognized something was wrong. He saw it on his face. And the Lord says, if the love of God is in you, it will show on your face. Then was I so afraid. Keep reading. Verse 2. Uh-huh. Why should not my countenance be when the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Keep reading. Then the king said unto me, what? For what dost thou make? What do you want? What did he pray for in verse 11? Give me mercy in the sight of this man. Why? He wants to go to Jerusalem. He wants to help rebuild. Now the king says, what do you want? Huh? God answered the prayer. Keep reading. So I prayed to the God of heaven. Keep reading. Verse 5. And I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant have found what? Ah, stop. Same thing for Joseph. Same thing for Daniel. Same thing for the Israelites. If thy servant has found favor in thy sight, go on that thou would send me unto, unto the place of the city of my fathers, that I may. Mm-hmm. Verse 6. By him, for how long shall thy journey be, and well will thou return? All the king wanted was when you coming back. The king gave him everything. But what was Nehemiah's desire? To go back and build a house for himself. To go back and build a house of God. God gave him favor in the sight of the mightiest king at that time. The king gave him everything he wanted. Why? Nehemiah and God were in partnership. Listen to me carefully as I give you God's word, not my words. If you enter into partnership with God, every area of your life will be blessed. Amen. Let's go back to Genesis 39. Our subject, a real partnership. And I hope someone is already making a commitment right now. Father, let me change the way I run my life. Please, God, come now. Be the senior partner. You tell me what to do through your word, and I'll do it. Genesis 39, let's reread verse 4. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. Go on. And made him overseer in his house. Go on. And all that he heard, he put into his hand. Now, 
tell me about Joseph again. He was a slave. He was a Hebrew. How did he get to Egypt? He was sold. Tell me about Potiphar. An Egyptian, a high-ranking military official, perhaps in charge of Pharaoh's bodyguard. Captain of the guard. Non-believer. Let me tell you something about managers and people who run businesses where you work. Do not allow society to color your mind and your thinking. An intelligent manager doesn't care what color your skin is. Or where you're from. If you can do the work and produce results, he'll hire you. You heard what I said? Potiphar must have had hundreds of Egyptian slaves or servants. But he saw Joseph. Go to Daniel 6. Our subject, a real partnership. Go to Daniel 6. You read from verse 1, reading my version. What version is that? All right. You must do some research on the King James Version, then you'll understand why it's my favorite version. Daniel 6, reading from verse 1, read nice and loud. What does the Bible say? It pleased Darius. 120 princes. We should be over the... And over these... Of whom Daniel was... That the princes may give... And the king should have no... So here's the organizational flowchart. There's Darius. Three presidents. Who's the greatest of the three? Daniel. 120 princes. Read verse 3. Then this Daniel was preferred, go on, above the presidents, go on, and princes, go on, because an excellent spirit was in him, not because of his ethnicity. Now, I've heard a lot of Adventists say who run businesses, the last people they want to hire are Adventists. Because they're lazy, they expect a lot of favors because you go to the same church. They come late, leave early, want a full salary, all that rubbish. Darius looked at Daniel. He had three presidents. Daniel was one of them. 120 princes. Daniel had an attitude none of the others had. Because of that, Darius thought to set him over the whole realm. Daniel and God had what? Keep reading. Verse 4. Then presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning his concerning what? The kingdom. The kingdom uh-huh. But? None. Uh-huh. No fault. He was faithful. Keep reading. Neither was there or fault. Ah, stop. Let me go higher again. They looked for what? The presence, what did they look for? In what? His work. Now keep in mind, these were the highest officials. They had security clearance. Access to all the records. They found nothing. 
What does that tell you about Daniel? This is work now. Integrity. Faithful. Thorough. Always on time. Honesty. Attention to detail. Would go the extra mile. That's his work. They couldn't find one fault. Uh, not one fault. If they had to write an evaluation, they'd have to give him A+. Plus, even though they hated him. This is a lesson for us. Even though you have enemies, you can decide what your enemies say about you. You don't believe me. Example. You work in an office where people hate you. You're Sabbath keeper. You don't drink meat. You don't smoke with them. You don't drink alcohol. You don't do any of that stuff. They hate you. But they realize you're always on time. The first one in the office. Here's what they say. I hate that man. But he's always. Yes. <laughs> you come to work dressed. Your pants or your skirt nicely pressed. Your hair in order if you have any. And they, they, they see that. And they say, I hate that woman, but she's always nicely dressed. You can decide what your enemies say about you. You get into conflict, you never raise your voice. Not even a, a dirty look. Your enemies say, we hate him, but he's always calm. The enemies of Daniel searched, they found Nothing. With his work. But finish verse 4. Neither was there any error or found where? In him. His work and his character were inseparable. Now for someone to search your work background and find nothing wrong, what does that say about the way you work? You work hard, you're thorough, as we said, integrity, reliable, honest, trustworthy, all of that. That's hard work. And Daniel had a partnership with God. Could not find fault. This is not just Daniel. God requires that of us. What does Jesus say? Which of you convinceth me of sin? Which of you in the workforce convinceth me of theft? Which of you can say, I'm always late? Which of you can say, I'm untidy? Which of you can say, my words are harsh? Which one? The testimony should be, no one. Because I have a partnership with God. And because he's the senior partner, I'm responsible to him. Almost a quarter to ten, or eleven. My brothers and sisters, God wants to get into a partnership with you. The ultimate purpose, the salvation of your soul. We have this belief that when Christ comes, a curtain comes down on this life and a brand new life starts. No. This life continues. Mm -hmm. ah, you didn't hear me. I mean, for the believer, for the sinner, yes, a curtain comes down. <laughs> Are you done? For the believer, your life continues. When God gave talents, Matthew 25, verse 14, he gave one man how many? Come on, he gave one man. Five. He gave another man. Two. 
He gave another man. Which means different people have different capacities and abilities. And God has different expectations. But the man who had five, when the Lord came and reckoned with him, he produced what? Five more. So he had ten. What did the master say? Well done. Keep this in mind. Well done. The one who had two, what did he do? Produced two more. He went from two to four. Now, two to four is the same as five to ten. Ah, you're not listening again. I'm not coming back to this camp meeting. <laughs> five to ten is the same as two to four. Now, what did the master say to him? Well done. Same thing. So that, and I'm drifting a little, it is not how many talents you have. It is what you make of them. Are you following me? Because five times two is ten. Two times two is four. That's the same thing, doubled. And so each one received the same commendation. Well done. So you're wasting your time if you're attending the, the, the University of Riverside or, I don't know, Loma Linda Community College. If you're attending, don't waste time wondering if the person next to you is brighter. You use what God has given you. And if you use it fully, God will say well done to you the way he says well done to the guy who's related to Einstein. Because it is not the amount you have. It's what you do with it. And so when you form a partnership with God, and I have to stress this, it's literal. If you have one talent, God will jump and shout when you use it. The way he jumps and shouts when the lady with ten talents uses hers. Form a partnership with God. Give him your life. Every aspect of your life. Give him your health. You have to change what you eat. <coughs> mm -hmm. He wants to run your physical life. You have to change what you wear. I need more amends on that one. Amen. You have to change what you wear. Why? Because God is running your physical appearance. You have to change what you drink. What you eat. Because God is in charge of that. And you are just a junior partner. You are an apprentice. And that apprenticeship runs for an eternity. Because you never catch up with God. Even though you become more like him. So if you're studying political science, and I'm about to end. And you're offered an internship with Barack Obama. Or Ban Ki-moon. You know who Ban Ki-moon is? General Secretary of the United Nations. huh? You want all your friends to know. You say yes. You drop what you're doing. And you fly to the White House. I am working with the president of the most powerful country on earth. A, 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 an internship for six months. You're studying economics or finance. And you have a, a six-month internship with, I think her name is Janet Yellen. Who is she? She runs the Federal Reserve. That non-federal agency that started in a shaky way but runs the whole country. And you, you run. Now, here comes God. <laughs> Who gave Janet Yellen her, her? Who gave Barack Obama his whatever? Who gave Ban Ki-moon? And God says, now, Ban Ki-moon runs the United Nations. Janet Yellen runs the Federal Reserve. Barack Obama runs the two-horned beast. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> 
Uh, I run what? The universe. Here is a lifetime apprenticeship with me. And people say no. Give your life to God as a business partnership. And he'll instruct you through his word, not dreams. I mean, dreams are fine, but his word. God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, they had a lot of dreams and visions, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his, his son is the word. Let God run your life. Let him tell you what to do. Don't suggest anything. Find out what he wants from this. And from the commentary of Ellen White. Your life will be a blessing to you and to everyone else who comes into your circumference. And that partnership will continue to the new world. How many of you are in school? Can I see your hands? You're studying something. What are you studying? Russian, okay. Russians need Jesus. Any, what do you study? I saw a few hands. What are you studying? What are you studying? Yes. Nursing. Nobody else in school? Yes. Nursing. Any, yes. Dentistry. Okay, anything else? Yes. Medicine. Now, give that to God. When you study the 12 cranial nerves, Mr. Doctor, think of God. When you study the attachments and origins of muscles, Mr. Nursing, think of God. When you study, what else, uh, Russian, think of God. And how he cursed the builders of Babel that led to all these languages. Whatever you study, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Start with God. The only knowledge that doesn't begin with God is sin and crime. Everything else. You're studying aviation. Angels fly. Start with God. <laughs> You're studying accounting. Tithe and offering. Start with God. You're studying sociology. God made people. Put them together in groups. Start with God. You're studying history. What do you think prophecy is? History fulfilled. History is prophecy. Start with God. You're studying math. Start with the universe is mathematical. You're studying family life, start with God. Theology, well, <laughs> how many of you will say, Father, I commit my life to you in partnership with you as the senior partner? Can I see your right hand? You mean that seriously? Stand up with me. Second question. God has not been first in your life. And you want to tell him sorry. Listen to me. God has not been first in your life. It may have been money, fame, position. You want to say sorry. God forgives you like that. Like the strike of a rattler. He loves to forgive. You watch the Olympics, the favorite event, the 100-yard dash or 100 meters. 
How do they start? Like this. That's the way God is. Waiting for you to fire the gun of confession. He can fly down the track to forgive you. And he covers that track in a nanosecond. You have been living your life and God hasn't been first. You never felt dependence on You didn't feel the need for God. And you want to say, sorry. Forgive me. Anyone like that? Ah, let's bow our eyes closed. Dear God, please, Lord, how many times have I preached and did not feel the need for you? And it's so embarrassing to say it. And you've forgiven me so many times. My friends have raised their hands in an honest confession that they've lived their lives with no conscious desire for your involvement. But having heard about a real partnership, Father, we first confess our wrong of feeling omnipotent, feeling independent. We need nobody. Forgive us, dear God, for that satanic mindset. And let us say like Jesus, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. Let us remember the words of our Savior in John 15. Without me, he can do nothing, meaning nothing good. Now, Father, you've forgiven us. We believe you've forgiven us. Now we want to act differently. Grant us your grace. Grant us your spirit, a God. In the presence of heaven and earth, we now form a partnership with you. You are the senior partner, and you run every department of our lives. We have entered into an apprenticeship with the creator of the universe, and this apprenticeship runs forever. Thank you, dear God, for this high honor. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray with thanksgiving. Let God's apprentices say amen and amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.